0: Okay. Recorded live. Hey
1: everybody, it's out of darkness into the light, and uh, we're hanging out here late night with uh, on the west coast with uh, Robert, goes by the name uh, Java Ring, and uh, Johnny's hardcore, so uh, <clears throat> he's on here too. Johnny, when do you sleep at night? Are you? A, well, we all want to know if you're some kind of a semi-zombie. Do zombies sleep at night, Johnny?
0: They probably don't. No.
1: They don't
2: um, sleep at night, do they? Well, I would, I'm sure some people believe that they maybe rest their eyes or maybe stand still for a long time as a sort of rest, but I don't think zombies really need rest, so no.
1: Do you have any objective evidence that you're not gradually turning into a zombie? Uh...
3: Is there anything you can, any uh,
1: proof you can give I, I, me over monitor. the
2: phone?
3: Is there, yeah, is there if you no know,
2: monitor your uh, daily habits and see whether or not you're just being a slouching, slothful, couch potato type of person, or you're active and doing stuff, or you know what you're doing and you, and you think about what you're doing hour to hour, like you talk about.
1: Uh huh. Well, I don't really know that much about your personal life. People say you're acting strangely on Facebook.
2: So. Oh really?
1: I've developed uh, several uh, complex conspiracy theories that uh, I'm not quite comfortable uh, going public with yet. So that's why I'd ask you these questions. Because uh, every time you say the z- word zombie, nobody takes you seriously. So I can get away with this on a recorded show. <laughs> so I just thought I'd ask you straight out,
2: So, um, what, so you're saying talking you, about turning people actually turning into like cannibals that want to eat flesh. Of humans, you know stuff like that, like they're they're actually turning more uh oh you think so, i mean maybe i don't I you don't know.
1: watch those kind of horror flicks. I'm into the old uh, gothic
4: stuff hey, Java do uh, you tease that that so well about the opinion you have of Johnny? can you, can you just go over that real quick?
1: <laughs> Say it again,
3: and <laughs>
4: it now, I have to know you said he Say had some, uh, Johnny's my. Can you just, Johnny, do you mind what Dave? can you just do you mind just Johnny's right here? Is it okay with you, Johnny? about doing what? he had some opinions on your private life. Let's just air it out, you know I don't it's making me feel kind of weird. what's the what <laughs> you I
2: think he's yeah. struggling
1: with our I think he's struggling with our comedy act
2: here he's a comedy you wanted to know what about my personal life?
4: Dave said he have some
2: thoughts
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. on your private life. Okay, I mean, you may not have heard him. I know the connection is kind of weird tonight.
2: Uh, Dave, no, no, yeah.
4: If you don't, or Johnny, if you don't mind, Dave, could you just go ahead and just air, clear the air, and let us know what those are?
2: <laughs>
1: I think we should move on from Johnny's uh, personal life. <laughs> Johnny,
2: yeah, you're bre- actually you're breaking up. I can't even really hear you. Yeah,
1: you're on Skype, and you don't sound very well lately. Hmm.
2: Skype, Skype sucks for me, too. It hasn't been working very well.
1: I wonder if that's a problem uh, you know, with Skype as well. And it was like a combo effect, because that was like the worst I've ever seen on Skype earlier tonight. It's horrible. Did you guys know it was a full moon out?
2: <laughs> well, I can't tell, because... There's, there's all this cloud cover, but... I've, so
1: I could I stare at the moon for about 10 minutes straight and talk to you guys, moon gaze at the same time.
0: <laughs> That's cool. I,
1: I don't recommend doing that, by the way. I did it for about 12, 12 minutes the first the first time and I overdosed, so that would be too bad. You'd probably want to look at it for a couple minutes, believe it or not. That should be sufficient.
2: Dave, when you do that, are you supposed to blink, or you just, do you keep your eyes looking at it for 12 minutes?
1: No, oh, you can stare right at it. Uh, but you can look away, I and mean, you can do the same thing with the sun if you want.
2: And could you do that during the day? Like,
1: uh, well, I, I developed a, uh, a, a, a unique form of sun gazing, um, I'm trying to remember what the heck I call it, I got so much terminology, um, but you don't, you just allow your eyes to tell you what's comfortable, you can, you're looking towards the sun, you're not looking at it, obviously, it will damage your eyes, but, um... You can, t- you know, when your eyes start to uh, get a little stressed out, that's why you can, you know, just back up a little bit, just be safe. It's worth it. But it's, it's 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 beneficial to look towards the sun. i never heard anybody talk about this, you know.
2: You don't have them. this
1: either-or mentality, you know, either sun gaze or you don't do it at all, you know. No, look towards the sun, you know.
4: Hey, Dave, I don't want to miss that segue. You mentioned you have some terms that people don't understand necessarily.
1: Uh-huh.
4: Do uh, no, you want to ask
1: me some uh define some terms or something like that?
4: I did. I did okay. want to. Yeah, Are you...
0: sure, uh, sure.
4: Okay. I just have a few here. Hopefully you'll let me know if they're um anyway. Uh the first one um you mentioned quite a bit is Diaspora. It was actually uh, one of the first terms that I heard from you that I didn't recognize. Um uh-huh. and I guess that's actually in the Bible, is that right, that term?
1: Yeah, you can see that in uh, James uh one verse one. Uh scholars tell us and Bible commentators say that uh James is writing to what they call Jewish Christians and I I would agree with that, even though you there's different uh definitions of a Jew, which is a modern term and you know, it was created for a diabolical purpose, but we won't go into that right now, but uh all that's not really important. Uh, he is writing to uh, what Christians refer to as non Gentile believers, basically. You know what I mean? They actually say that he's writing to Jews. And in the book of Romans, uh, Paul is writing to to both of these groups of people. And you can see that. A lot of people don't pick up on that. He's writing to both Jewish and non-Jewish um what we call Christians in Rome. And uh, people get a little confused about that, but the... I mean, he, he tells us this in the book of Romans, that the the non-Jewish Christians are non-Torah absor- uh, observant. And the reason we know that is because in Romans 2, he talks about those without the law. And it's funny how Christians get confused about that. Because when he talks about the law that's the law of Moses but the reason they get confused is they don't understand that Christians were keeping the law of Moses and this was approved by the uh the only church council in the bible in acts 15 and they they focus on uh you know the um the conclusion that um James had that uh, the so-called gentiles don't have to keep the the law or the Torah or the Law of Moses, whatever you want to call it. But they, they forget that the other um Christians went right on observing it. There's no problem. Just like they always did, you know. And that's because Christians believe that there was a new religion formed, which they call Christianity. And there was a new religion formed but it happened later. And uh, you know, after the temple. This is in my you know, my opinion. And um, the religion we call Christianity at at that time was actually a sect of Judaism. That's the proper biblical term. They didn't have the term religion. They didn't have the term cult. It was a sect. And that word is actually used, uh, you know, in reference to Christianity. It's actually called a sect. You know what I mean? And um, and that's why the the early uh, Christians were... um, you know they were meeting in the synagogues, and uh, Jesus prophesied at a time when they would cast you out of the synagogues. So they were um, they were a significant sect of what we call Judaism. I guess you're going to ask me a question about Second Temple Judaism. I'll explain that. You're right. Uh, but they just had a they lar- had largely had a different view of the Messiah, and Christians have completely misunderstood. Um, you know, the new covenant. That's one of the foundational basis for believing it was a new religion. And it it's really it's really sad, um to just break that down in in a few seconds. It's like Humpty Dumpty. There's no way to put it back together again, you know. And I can come at that from a from a different angle. But um if I was gonna talk about that now. I would talk about divorce and remarriage.
0: Okay.
1: I mean, this is an indefensible position. Your whole religion is going to crash right at your feet as far as it being a new religion you know, that started in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. That's what we're told. This is complete nonsense. Like I said before, there simply is not enough information in Scripture uh, to even build this religion. The information is not there. Uh, for instance, Paul, he doesn't even talk about, um, you know, remarriage after after uh, divorce and remarriage. He doesn't even, he doesn't even talk about this. Okay. Just like um, it says precisely nothing in the Bible about um, about where women, whether they are a Jew or a non-Jew or a Jewess, um... <clears throat> Where they are given permission to divorce their husbands, because a woman could not divorce her husband. Most Christians they don't know this. And if you don't have a written document, uh, you know that is signed. It, documents are irrelevant when it, when it, when a marriage begins, but to end a marriage, you have to have a document. If you don't have a document, that marriage is not annulled. It doesn't matter what anybody says, it, it, it depends what God says. Okay? So, this is very important because what the Bible teaches, unbeknownst to most Christians, is that there was uh, what we call Christians who were observing the law, and uh, most of them were not, especially as time went by. And you could uh, debate whether Paul encouraged them to do that or not, a good place to do that would be by looking at Timothy, uh, because he was uncircumcised, and here he is traveling around with Paul, and why aren't you getting circumcised, you know what I mean? If you wanted to keep the law, uh, anybody could do it, you know what I mean? Uh, it's it's kind of a difficult thing. Uh, people that try to keep the law, they'll go back and forth, Saying that it's not a burden and whatever the heck we go around and round on that one, but uh,
4: I I don't mind saying it doesn't bother me, but um it, I'm a, I have a constant reminder that I'm compliant in one way with the law, with the old law,
3: uh-huh.
4: and I'm not even Jewish, but uh you might think I was from uh-huh. yeah. Well,
1: I'll get back to the diaspora, but I mean uh, you got people running around saying that you know the 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 law is gone. we don't have to keep the law These are incredibly simplistic statements that people are not even thinking hmm. obviously there's there's aspects of the law of Moses that anybody's going to keep, even a Satanist, if you want to have some kind of societal structure, you can't go around murdering people or the whole society will implode
4: now i I just no. looked up the term. For the first time, as a matter of fact, I've heard you talk about it before. But uh, and as I guess, it does have to do with dispersion. That's uh-huh. the,
1: yeah, that's the, what it means. is
4: dispersion. That. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it explains why there were letters written um, to the different places. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, there was another uh, letter that was written to um, you could call them the Jews, and that's called and we. we it doesn't have a title as far as we know, but we call it the Book of the Hebrews, and I don't believe it was written by Paul. Well, That's, that's written to Jewish Christians, apparently. I mean, they're, they're definitely not what we call Gentile, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, I said on here that you can, you can quickly prove in, in less than a minute, because this, okay, this will completely crash the Christian religion. In fact, you know, the last time we were going to do a show, yeah. what I was going to do was get on there and do something I should have done a long time ago, and go over some of these scriptures that infallibly prove that uh the term Gentile is used for both Israelites and non Israelites in both the New Testament and the Old Testament. This will crash Christianity. This is another thing that will crash Christianity. Christianity is based on the, the firm belief that uh that there are Jews and, and Gentiles and most in the church and most of the people in the church are uh what we call Gentiles, the Bible doesn't teach this. It it never did. And
4: yeah, uh, your motivation, Dave, isn't to crash someone's beliefs, or is it?
1: No. Well, what I'm doing is exposing. This is propaganda. Is what it is. It's never been exposed as propaganda because there's basically two reasons. Um, people didn't have that kind of mental framework to process what the heck was going on. I guess it's too diabolical for someone to be that suspicious because we just assume that, well, God wouldn't allow something like that to happen. This is Roman Catholic propaganda. I mean, that's as far as back as we can trace it, you know. <clears throat> but uh, let me go back to the diaspora. So the diaspora has to do, like I said before, I, mean, I I've said this a number of times is that after the uh the rule of Solomon, uh, the kingdom was split into two the nation was split into two kingdoms. And uh you had the ten northern tribes and you had Benjamin and uh Judah in the south and you had the thirteenth tribe, you had the Levites, you know. And um anyway they uh the northern uh, uh, tribes became apostate more quickly. They, they got involved, especially Dan. They're like an apostate tribe. I mean, that's the whole subject right there. We've never really talked about that in any detail. I mean, there's all kinds of theories about Dan. And it's, it's difficult to prove any of this stuff absolutely that far back in history. But there's, th- there's indicators in Scripture that it's an apostate tribe. That's why it's not found in the, in the list of tribes in Romans chapter 7. But it's found later in, uh, I believe it's Ezekiel 47. And, and that right there will tell you that process theology is, is completely false. Okay, Because what, what they do, they disavow any kind of uh, inheritance that has to do with a physical Israel. And they, they spiritualize all the texts that are necessary to pull off this view that the Christian church... You know, this is Roman Catholic propaganda. Here we go again, you see. The Roman Catholic Church is the new Israel. The Roman Catholic Church is the spiritual Israel. And the Roman Catholic Church, believe it or not, fulfills... <laughs> just I'm saying this deliberately to show you how absurd this is, because this is original teaching. It came from the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church... Fulfills all of the uh, Old Testament prophecies that were directed at Israel. God has abandoned Israel. Uh, now, when we say that, we're talking about uh, is is like a corporate entity or you know a nation state or whatever. Because obviously, God still saves "quote unquote" Jews just like anybody else. Even the Roman Catholic Church would acknowledge that.
4: You don't believe it's Christians.
1: not like the whole bloodline is cursed And God doesn't save any Jews anymore No, they can become Christians too You know what I mean? Are you going to say something?
4: Oh, you you uh, you believe that the geographic location Of Israel is actually not um, Modern day What's considered Israel
0: No,
1: well it, that, You know something um, To somebody with a sufficiently conspiratorial mind oh. You would just assume that Without any investigation But you notice that nobody does that they just assume that they're telling us the truth. And see, that's the problem. Because in the medieval era, when people did not have the right to travel, they didn't have to tell you the truth about Jerusalem. They could just make it a Muslim state and create all these Muslim armies to protect the Holy Land and keep the Christians away, and then manufacture stories about the Crusades, and then send out the troubadours, which they did, to create all this propaganda and they didn't have newspapers back then, so they would have people that would come into the town, and they would sing these songs, and it was actually like propaganda. And that's how you knew what was going on, unless some someone came into the village. How many people are coming into your village that visited Jerusalem? You know, I mean, over the course of 200 years, let's say that like you're in southern Germany. What are you going to hear about what's going on? At best, rumor. And none of it can be substantiated. So they had a golden opportunity to move the location of the Holy Land. Now, I guarantee you they would be motivated to do that. I guarantee it. In other words, that's important because they would have the desire to do it. why wouldn't they do that? It's basic common sense. So what I'm trying to say is that you would expect them to do that without any investigation at all. Now, why would you do that? Because you have a, a sufficiently conspiratorial mind. That means you're not going to trust them to tell you the truth about the location of Israel. The number one thing that people need to know about the location of Israel, according to what they tell us, <clears throat> that is an inferior land. It's not a beautiful land. It's, it's, it's a desert, basically. And the people there are wicked. That's, that's another subject, by the way. Uh, If you're going to, you know, call whatever religion they're practicing there, give it a name, it would actually be New Age. I'm basing this on uh, people that have been there and come back and, you know, here's what's going on over there. I mean, they don't like Orthodox Jews either. It's just a hodgepodge of uh, religious goofiness, man. It's just, uh, it's crazy over there. But, um, there's evidence in the Bible that, that Jerusalem was a sea, seaport, and uh, and it, it, I don't know. I've got notes on this, so I could do a podcast. So if you get if you display sufficient interest, I, this podcast is so important that I don't like just doing it off the cuff. I understand. So express interest in it. Let me know, and then give me a little bit of prep time, okay? Okay because I'm so idealistic that I'll just say no, because, well, that's such an important podcast, you know?
0: I understand.
4: I just
1: can't do it, you know, just, you know, like, drop of a hat. That's the way my mind thinks, so then it doesn't get done.
4: (laughs) Understood.
1: And I should be doing these prepared podcasts, but the reason I'm not is because people kind of keep me hopping just by talking to me on the phone. And uh, I guess what I'm saying is... uh, I need more time myself, but I'm, I'm not asking anyone not to call me. I want people to call me. So, I, I, the, pro, there's,
3: the problem is with me. You know.
1: I just get distracted, and uh, I'm still, I'm still a researcher. You know what I mean? And if you just, um, I use the example of Brian Wilson, the, um, you know, the founder of the Beach Boys, and he basically checked out. I mean, the guy was a genius, boy genius. Without question, I mean, I I actually call him a genius. There's hardly anybody that I call a genius.
0: Um, But
1: supposedly he blew his mind out on uh, LSD, and uh, he was perfectly content to lay up in his bedroom and stare at the ceiling and uh, eat junk food and um, snort cocaine and sleep a lot. But uh, his brother, Dennis Wilson, who was the um, only guy that actually surfed, he used to um <clears throat> try to motivate Brian to come down and write a song by buying him hamburgers, because by this time he was like morbidly obese because he didn't exercise at all. Yeah. A, that's the only way you could get him out of his bedroom.
0: <laughs>
1: and he had this
0: <laughs>
1: he had this uh, piano, I think it was a grand piano. It was in the sandbox, and the sandbox was in the living room. And um Dennis would get his brother to come down and he'd start feeding him these hamburgers and uh you know and he would say you know come on Brian come on you know and he'd go ah just give me the hamburger you know but he he had to produce something cuz the guy could just write music if he if he was motivated he'd just crank it right out one song after another but he had no motivation anymore he didn't care so it's like you know you're not getting this hamburger until you're right at the other bar. <laughs> Another line of music and they go oh okay you know and then give them a little something. So basically you got to point them in the right direction they'll kind of follow along. That's what I'm that's the kind of w- w- way I am. It's just come on Dave let's go get on talk show and I'll, I'll I'll go I'll get on there and talk you know right.
4: Absolutely yeah. I mean, How I've many times
1: some... have I ever refused you? I'm always there right. <sighs> Ever. I yeah, have refused never. Johnny a couple times, but it's just like, Dave, do you want to come on a full-fledged show? And in a half hour, I'm going, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that.
4: Johnny gets a little aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Is there
1: anybody else in the chat room? You guys looking at the computer? I made it a public call.
4: Uh, no, just the original, just three.
0: Well, I
1: invited some other people through email, so... Um, So anyway, let me go over the history of this real quick. So um, God's judgment fell upon um, the northern tribes. They started practicing idolatry. And they've had a different religion uh, ever since. There supposedly is about... These are what we call the Samaritans. And they became a mixed bloodline uh, during the first stage of the diaspora. And um, the, the Jews or the Judeans, or Judahites, whatever you want to call them, they despised them. Because back then, people were very concerned about racial purity, and guess what? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was as well. And that's why he referred to them as dogs. Now, what do you think about that? Does that sound very politically correct to you? Did you know that your Savior is not politically correct? And he would be defined as a racist.
0: That's okay.
1: I could go into a big thing about that, but I don't want to because that's uh, off the subject. But anyway, um, so God's judgment fell, and they went on into captivity in Syria, And then they became the so-called lost tribes. And there's a big controversy about whether they're actually lost or not, or if they're lost at all, you know, in what sense are they lost? So... Yeah, I've kind of been it, on both sides of that uh, issue myself. but uh. Anyway, so later, um, judgment fell on uh, Judah. And uh, their judgment wasn't as severe. They went off into exile in Babylon. They had it easier there. You know, Daniel and Ezekiel, see, they were over there in this um, post-exilic community. And, you know... Ezekiel was writing from uh in the diaspora. So this was the second stage of the diaspora. And there's some um there's some other minor stages as well. But the last big stage is the stage that we're in. I just want to say too that the um you know, rabbis going way back. I would say um well, a number of centuries before, you know, the birth of Christ, even though, um, you know, Judah had come back from uh, Babylon, the Israelites as a general rule never did, but people will debate that to some degree. I mean, there were some stragglers that came back. There's no question about that. But uh, they, even though they built the second inferior temple in the days of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, they still did not look at Israel as being restored, you know. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that because, I mean, if you look at the prophecies, they're talking about, you know, grand things. And that's just why people were not impressed with that temple because it was inferior to Solomon's temple, you know, and they just kind of ho-hum, you know, and they couldn't even get motivated to, to finish the project or even get started on it, you know. The people were kind of depressed. And...
0: They did?
4: Yeah. We defining, we're defining Second Temple of Judaism now?
1: Yeah, but just a second, I'll, I'll get into that. Okay. So I just want to say, like I said before, I'm just dealing with the most simple things, is that um, you see a lot of these scriptures in, in the Bible about God scattering his people. Yeah. This is what it's talking about, see? And then it also talks about him gathering his people. And, and this, is, this is a huge problem with uh, <clears throat> replacement theology, that the church replaces you know, Israel. Is because they're acknowledging that God literally scattered his people, but then they refuse to acknowledge that he's going to literally gather them. Well, guess what? Sometimes it says that in the same verse, like in Ezekiel 20. Now, this is a cultic butchering of Scripture. It's absolutely inexcusable. Because people give you know Jehovah's Witnesses a bad time if they do something like that, but they defend you know Christianity. Well, Christianity is the one true religion, you know, so so i guess that gives us a right to butcher scripture no we're doing the same thing as uh what christian apolog- apologists call a non-christian cult you know we're doing the same thing we've been that's the historic position of uh the christian church because um <clears throat> the protestant reformers they embraced replacement theology and it held sway until a, a new form of theological propaganda arose in the 19th century called dispensationalism. And uh, for some reason, I I know why they did this, but the Illuminati wanted to promote that and basically have that replace the older historical theology of the church, because that's what it is. It's not biblical theology, but it, that was what held sway century after century. And the reason they did that is because they had a long-term plan to build what you could call a false Zion. Because they have to do that. They're going to have an individual show up, an Antichrist figure. He's going to claim to be Jesus. And apparently he's going to claim, I mean, this is not explicitly taught in the Bible, but apparently he's going to claim to be the reincarnation of Jesus. I don't know how else you could get out of that, just because it's not mentioned in Scripture. It doesn't say explicitly that he's going to claim to be Jesus, you know what I mean? <clears throat> but it's basic common sense that he would do that. And so he has to be descended from uh, the line of David. And that's why they're creating all this propaganda out there, like, you know, the Vinci Code, stuff like that. And I, 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 all I do is walk by the television set, and I turn my head, and they're talking about the Merovingian bloodline and the nice Templar. And they do this over and over again. Why are they doing this? Because they weren't doing this 15 years ago. They're prepping people, and they're giving him this basic introduction uh going back to the house of David, try to get some linkage going to give this guy as much credibility as possible and uh so anyway, that's the diaspora and god his um has spread his people across the uh the face of the earth and these these people can be of any bloodline because any bloodline could be uh mingled with the Israelites and actually become an Israelite people not through intermarriage but through uh um, circumcision that's how you converted and then eventually they could intermarry there was laws about that and and the uh you can easily make the case that the uh, the Jews, because they had superior, you know, dietary laws and stuff like that, that would give them superior DNA. They could handle assimilation without significantly changing, you know, the facial structure and bone structure of their people. These people would get absorbed into them, but they they didn't change that much in appearance. Let's you know, put a qualifier on that, because everybody's changed in a little bit. We're all changing now, but that's because of bioengineering, but. So that's the diaspora. It's a, it's a judgment. You know what I mean? But, you know, it's God's plan. See, just like theologians refer to the fall of Adam as the fortunate fall, because good things happened out of that, God wanted his people to get to New Zealand and Australia, and you know, and, uh, you know, North and South America. He, he wanted that. You know what I mean? So it's interesting how he... You know, what God does over and over again, he uses evil, or man will screw up, and that's basically what man does over and over, is screw up, and then, see, God will bring something good out of it. You know what I mean? And uh, so anyway, God's God's plan was, you know, people call them the last days, or the last days were really in the first century, because that was the end of an age. But um, we're in what's called the latter days which is beyond the last days, which sounds strange to people because they don't understand the concept of a biblical age, and they don't think that it ended. It ended, and it's prophesied. I've talked about that before. It happened when the temple was destroyed. <clears throat> you can see that in Matthew 24. And so anyway, um, we, we have this expectation, and I have it, and most of you guys do. And, uh, you know, this stuff is supposed to come down in our time, And um, that's when the restoration of Israel first happens. But uh, you were going to ask me something about uh, Second Temple Judaism?
4: Yeah, you mentioned that right now. Uh, Well, it's it's
1: interesting. Their religion devolved from the time of Moses. You want to talk about religious devolution? And uh, the reason it did is because the scripture says they, they didn't have, there was only one man that spoke to God face to face. So um, if there was a problem with the religion of the people, God would just speak to Moses and, and say, go correct it. And you have something similar in the first century with the apostles. This is what people don't understand. And Christianity has got massive problems and a simple reason why we have these massive problems and all this confusion is because we don't have an authoritative voice. If we had just one apostle, then he could uh, discipline these churches, you know, uh, and uh, just dealing with heresy and stuff like that, you see, and say, you know, if you don't um, do what we say, then you are going to have to be on your own, you know. Outsiders will cut you off. You'll be a different religion, you know. Nobody has the authority to do that. Just like um, <clears throat> we we can't discipline people today because if you go to a local church and um, you have what's called church discipline, you try to discipline somebody. Pastors will tell you this is true. People just get up and leave, and they go and they become somebody else's problem. They go off to another church. And they come into that church, and you don't know these people's past history, and they look everything's just fine, you know, shaking hands, a big smile. Oh, no, this guy's got a whole past to him, you know. And uh, you can't can't discipline people today. They're like a bunch of spiritual babies. They just run away. And so, you know, John Calvin said that without um, church discipline, Christianity doesn't even exist. So if you brought him back from the dead, he would say, this is this is not Christianity. That's what he said back then. And I'd have to agree with him. Uh, the churches are filled with hypocrites. They're not... For, see, what people focus on, you know, have you been born again? You know what I mean? Is the Holy Spirit, you know, doing something inside of you or blah, blah, blah? Do these people believe? Because, see, in the Hebrew and in the Greek... The word belief actually has to do with action. You have this concept that you can talk uh, all about belief till you're blue in the face. If 40 years go by and all you do is stare at a blinking screen and go in to listen to Pastor Dum Dum and hand him a few bucks, um, that's not belief. You You don't believe. You just profess belief, but you don't back it up with anything. See, this is what James is talking about. You know what I mean? Being justified by, uh, by works? You have yes. to... I mean, this is remarkable that you actually have to tell people this. Yes, you actually have to do something. You can't just sit there and, oh, I believe in Jesus. And I've been saved. And I'm on my way to heaven. And it's so wonderful. No?
0: That's That'd be not going to do
1: it. All that's okay. going to do is, is reap judgment. I've explained this before. Oh, my God, it's just absolutely
4: horrible. That's as if your salvation had no real value, if that was possible. You know, and I don't think it works that way.
1: There should only be a few churches in town. And most of these churches should be emptied. And they're actually corporations. They're extension of the government. The pastor is the CEO. This is all provable in a court of law. There are 5013C churches. This happened back in the 1960s. Pastors were seduced. They're corporations. And they're an extension of the money system. And, and things are precarious because they're overspending. Because pastors have, here it is, a false vision. Not from God. Okay? It's absolutely not from God. A false vision to create a bigger church. They're always trying to expand. You ever notice that? You know why? Because that church is an extension of their ego. And that's a fact. I'm not saying that's true with every pastor in America. Notice how they're always trying to get bigger. And they justify, well, so we can more greatly impact the community with a bigger church building. If you want to impact the the community, <clears throat> what you need to do instead of building churches, which is nowhere found in Scripture. And these people say, well, my religion is based on the Bible. Remember, we've talked about that fallacy before, right? Mm-hmm. What you need to do is give to the poor, and they can't even figure that out because um, you're supposed to be helping people in the church first. And if there's anything left over, yeah, help the poor in your community. But they tend to ignore people in the church, particularly women, okay, because this culture does not provide for women in need. They're just thrown to the wolves, you see, Uh, There was provision in the Law of Moses, and one of those provisions was, like I said before, the Leverite Law, which which we uh, snub our nose at, because it's a form of polygamy. Uh, To a large degree, polygamy had to do with protection and actually survival of females in agrarian culture. If you didn't have a husband, you're in deep trouble, you know what I mean? To say the least. I mean, it depends whether you have a family to fall back on or not, you know. You'd have to go back to your family if you don't have one. It depends on your age, you know. But, um... Oh, jeez. They're blowing out fireworks around here, man.
0: Right. A little earlier. Yeah.
1: Sometimes I get suspicious that there's demons that are inspiring people to do that. Just to irritate us.
4: <laughs> get ready. Get
1: ready. Yeah. Well, I know that's kind of. That's kind of <laughs> What's that?
4: Martial law is going to sound something like that, you know. You able to tell the difference? Uh huh. Um, maybe. Next.
0: Um. So.
1: Well, anyway, uh, Second Temple Judaism is—you uh, have a devolution in uh, Israelite religion. It evolved, is um, it fairly pr- uh, progressively? Uh, there were some. Um, Let me put it this way. There were some relatively significant upswings, but in the big picture, and this is somewhat shocking, not one place in the history of Israel that, was there any kind of corporate national repentance. Not one single time. I've gone over that before. People would assume it happened here, here, or there. It didn't happen here, here, or there. Go back and read the text again. You know when when fire fell from heaven and destroyed the prophets of Baal, and the people said, you know, well Yahweh is God. Well, you would too. But they didn't repent. They just acknowledged that, um, you know, that, that Yahweh was God, and went their merry way right back to their idolatry. They, they didn't repent, and they didn't do it in King Uzziah's day either. He was the last uh, righteous king. Despite his reforms, the reason we know that is because um, God sent Judah off into captivity. So obviously, the people didn't respond properly. And I, I've gone over this before, so I don't want to play that point. But anyway, so you have you have a devolution in their religion, and they had a similar problem to what we have today despite the fact that they did have authoritative voices. They had authoritative prophets. We don't have anybody. you got all these people marching around and are blind as about saying, we
3: have the Holy Spirit.
1: That's all they ever say, the same thing over and over again. We have the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the author of massive confusion and division? No. The reason we have that is because God is hiding himself from his own people, which fulfills these ancient prophecies people are so confused, they don't know whether they're coming or going, they don't understand that we're all Israel, because they don't understand what I'll call absorption theory. There's one Israel, and any, anybody can become Israel, and it, it, you got to be a little merciful with people, because, see, in the diaspora, at least in this particular stage of the diaspora, this stage of the diaspora is unique. Because in the last stage, we don't have a sheepfold, because God took that theocracy that was centered around a temple and a priesthood and uh, Davidic kingship, which they didn't have in the latter stages when you know being they were ruled, ruled by Rome. He destroyed everything. So what you have now is you have pilgrims in a diaspora. And they have, no one can prove their genealogy because um, those manuscripts were were preserved by the priesthood. Supposedly they were kept in the temple. We don't have that anymore. So you can't even prove who a Jew is. So if you hold to the theory, like some Messianic Jews do, that Jews are still supposed to be keeping the, uh, the so-called Torah, even though it's obvious you can't keep all of it. How, how do you know who a Jew is? The whole thing is, a, is an absurdity. And God has destroyed everything. He's destroyed the identity of his people um, and everything else, all the chronologies, all the feasts. There's no authoritative anything. It's all gone. And people simply can't bring themselves to realize this. If you had even a basic knowledge of the 613 commandments, which I don't believe there's 613 commandments, that's an Illuminati um, signature. They're telling you that we created this. This is a con, just like your constitution. We did this. But people don't think that way, do they? They don't. They don't see that. Just like you know, well, we created your canon. That's why it has 66 books. That's why there's 39 books in the ancient Old Testament. And that's why are you, are you, you only get thir- you only get 13 uh, epistles from Paul. Think about it. Go ahead, Robert.
4: Oh, you you you're saying there's more than 10 commandments? <laughs>
1: no. Well, yeah, but I mean, they have what's called—well, this is this is like Christianese talk, you know. We call them okay. the Ten Commandments. Uh, right. I, I want to say people need to hear this: that the, um, you know, the Law of Moses, the Torah, yes. it, it was for the the Israelites. It's not for anybody else. These a, these atheists get all whipped up about look what's in your Bible. Who who cares? <laughs> that it's all destroyed. Get over it. Get, everybody needs to get over it. It's all gone. Now I'll be talking in uh upcoming podcasts about my new view cuz I make um theological changes because my knowledge and perspective changes. And so I have this um middle position on Torah observance. But the main thing I want to say is that um The Torah is not binding upon anybody, and you can quickly prove that. Because um, even Messianic Jews teach. Now, there's a few extremists that say everybody's supposed to be keeping it, but not very many people believe that. But, you know, if you're you're a Jew, you should still be keeping the Torah as much as you can. Well, prove that you're a Jew. Can you do that infallibly, sir? Because I'm telling you flat out, nobody can do that except for the Illuminati. They know who everybody is. They're obsessed about all information, all information, and they uh, pr- they particularly pay attention to genealogies and bloodlines. They're obsessed with that, even more than other kinds of information. So they, they know, but we don't know. And if you can't prove that you're a Jew, then you don't have anything. And th- there's no way to prove that you're a Jew. Because if you're going to prove that you're a Jew, then you have to prove that um, that your bloodline did not um, create forgery uh, genealogies 600 years ago for a diabolical purpose. You don't have enough information to even be discussing that subject. It's amazing how people can't see this. If you can't disprove that, you can't prove anything. Is there anyone that can disprove that? Not unless you have a... Uh, A time machine. Which I, well, I don't want to go on that right now.
4: Um, I'm not, did Johnny get one of those? uh, Just
1: real quick, just real quick, I got to make the point. Do you understand how this affects Torah observance? We don't even know who a Jew is, so how can you, how can the Torah be binding? You You never hear anybody talk about this.
4: How do you know who it applies to then? Bottom line.
1: Well, what I'm trying to say is that, um, especially, you know, with, with more knowledge, you have more accountability. Yes. And uh, at some point along the, the line, as you accumulate a lot of knowledge, okay. the law of Moses, it, it, it kind of starts pressing down upon you.
4: They're pretty heavy. Okay? The penalty heavy duty. Well, it's a,
1: superior, in- it's a superior way to live. I mean, let's just take, like, you know, what they're telling you to eat. I mean, there's no question. It's not a theory. It's superior right right down the line. So you ask yourself this question, why don't you want to do this? Do you you want to do it the wrong way? Because everything that they're telling you, see, a lot of people don't know this. It's already been scientifically proven that it's it's superior. See, we actually understand why God told them to not eat these unclean foods. We actually know now. Just like we also know why um, you had to separate from your wife uh, during the time of her menstruation. We actually know that now. For, I mean, for centuries, I think that people used to know, maybe not in a scientific level, but they lost it, and uh, it was forgotten. But but now we do know.
4: Well, that specifically, just look at the aggravation it causes to try to coexist during that time. I mean, it sounds well, if silly. You t-
1: if, you, if you just touch a woman...
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's scientifically proven that it feminizes a man during that period of time Now, you people either believe that or they don't believe whatever but they well, want to believe it as far as I know it's a scientific fact
0: it's
4: heavy handed but when I read like 90% of those the penalty for breaking those commandments is death Yeah. Who's to say that's wrong
1: well um, I could go right on down the line there are some shocking things in the law of Moses They're absolutely, I'm, I'm talking about it has to do with sex um they have they have radically different sexual laws for men and women and it's absolutely amazing how people don't uh pick up on this it's It's absolutely amazing I think it's just it never it never uh it never crosses their mind I mean, It's like well surely God would want them to do that you know show me one place in the Bible where it explicitly discusses female bisexuality. I'm not approving anything. I'm just trying to get somebody to think. People assume this is a massive assumption that female bisexuality is the same thing as lesbianism. I- I'm not a liberal, okay? Because people start having suspicions. aha You're
0: What's not. going on in
1: the back? No. Just show me, you know, show me your proof text, and I'll tell you. You know, the only place where you can say that it discusses that at all in the so-called New Testament would be in Romans chapter 1, okay? Now, I'm saying that it does discuss, refer to lesbianism there. I don't believe it refers to female bisexuality, but, you know, even if you think that it does, it still proves one point. You still don't have a single uh, verse or proof text in the Bible that speaks about that subject with clarity. It's not clear at all. That it's talking about female bisexuality. Now, here's why I'm talking about this, okay? <clears throat> um, m- scholars actually tell us that most families in the ancient world, for a significant period of time, oh, I'm talking about an ancient Hebrew culture and, and the ancient world, they were actually polygamous. Now, the, the reason that um, people don't think about these things is because they have been psyoped into believing that there's a 50-50 birth ratio of males and females. And I'll tell you, there is absolutely not. And that's a massive lie. I've talked about this before, so I don't really want to... Um, what God is doing, it's very obvious. He's um, He's sending a lot more uh, females into uh, Western society. He's not doing that in Indonesia, in Africa... Where polygamy is wildly practiced, and that's why Christian missionaries, they don't... They actually are anti-polygamy, but they don't break these families up because it would just destroy the whole family. I mean, the children would have, you know, send the children packing. You know what I mean? Oh, that's what you're going to do? So they they tolerate it, you know what I mean? Even though they don't personally believe that thing. Now, the Bible actually talks about, in Acts 17, about God putting souls in different historical periods and different geographical areas well of course he does that uh, but right now he's um there's there's a much more significant um I'm trying to think of a a difference in uh male and, and female birth rates as far as you know the ratio in uh third world countries. Okay, OK, so I want to go back to what I'm talking about. This is where the rubber meets the road, okay. I'm just going by the prevailing opinion of people who they're experts, okay and I agree with them, okay? And what they're going to tell you is that uh, I mean polygamy was, was commonly practiced, you know well' put two and two together. If, if, if polygamy was, was commonly practiced, there's no way that you could have a 50/50 ratio of males and females. It's virtually impossible. Why doesn't anyone think straight about this? If God is in control of souls, however you believe the soul originates, he's not um, hes not making them 50-50 during that period. It's its virtually impossible.
0: Okay?
1: I mean, God screwed up the 50-50 ratio when He—when uh, he, it's acknowledged when he spoke through Nathan to David when he sinned with Bathsheba, and he said, what, you know, why did you take another man's wife? I gave you your wives, and I would have gave you even more yes. if you would have asked me. Because, you know, it's either 50-50 or it's not. Now, if you got, you know, one extra female out there somewhere, well, guess what? It's not 50-50. So this 50-50 is a complete total myth of people who have not even begun to think at all. They just believe... Um, a myth. You see, no thinking whatsoever. Okay, so here's the problem. <clears throat> this has to do with female bisexuality. Um, and people will have these evil, evil suspicions because they say, well, see what Dave is thinking about? Dave is spending a lot of time thinking about female bisexuality. What does that tell you about that guy? You see that? <laughs> well, you know something? You're not thinking at all. And I'm going to prove it right now. So watch what happens, okay? Now, I already proved that people are not thinking about the 50-50 ratio. That's a total myth. I'm going to prove something else. Okay, so if you just go with what scholars say, experts, Bible commentators, everybody says this, polygamy was commonly practiced. And you see it with, you know, the great patriarchs. Israel was descended from polygamous families, okay? And uh, in the book of Ruth, it says that Rachel and Leah built up Israel. Now they they overlooked two of um, Jacob's other wives. Um, they were concubines, and I believe that the Illuminati gave us the word concubine because it sounds weird. They deliberately <laughs> do this. They create weird-sounding words yeah. so that we will not have, we'll be repelled by that word. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard anybody say this. I absolutely know for a fact that they do this. Hmm. I pointed out before that they give all these weird-sounding names to these um, these different uh, Christian groups that were the actually the true remnant in the medieval era, and these are the people that they were slaughtering and saying all these false things about their beliefs because they didn't want people to identify with them. That makes it easier if they have a weird-sounding name. You know, ooh, you know. Like the Bogle Mills, I mean, it's been it's been shown <clears throat> that this has to do with what's called buggering. It has to do with anal sex, and they were accusing these people, and just like you know, um, they were Roman. Uh, uh, right, I'll just say writers that accused the Christians. I don't necessarily believe this stuff because I don't trust anything from that era, but they were participating in secret orgies and stuff like that. You know, right. This is part he's, of our history. He's...
4: You know, accuse them of perpetrating those uh, things when, in fact, they were the victims, in your opinion, of the same.
1: Yeah, I can say in witch trials it's like the reverse. That's, that's what Satanism is. It's all about reversals. You know, the opposite is true. You know, if you actually apply that uh, principle, you will discover a lot of truth. <laughs> um, just by, you know, just assuming, well, I bet you the opposite is actually true. than what Marcus Allen talks about that. Yeah. But he never talks about Satanism.
4: Mark. Right. <laughs> He's been around okay, a so
1: anyway... Okay, so, I mean, without question, um, polygamy was widely practiced both within and without Hebrew culture in the ancient world. Okay, here's where you get down to brass tacks. You're going to have a problem in these uh, polygamous families because, uh, you know, if you have, like... Um, Four or five. Now it's you know it costs money. That to to, to ha- you got to take care of these women. Yeah. You got to provide for them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you you have to have um you have to have the resources so you cannot uh, you can't afford a second wife. Okay. But anyway, <clears throat> this is a different culture. So I mean uh, it's a lot different than this culture we have today. Polygamy is very very expensive today. It's expensive to just get married to one woman and have a child. It's like off the chart. They're making it that way to discourage you. Discourage you from getting married, discourage you from having children. In the money system, that's how they control people through mammon. Okay, so anyway, you are without question going to have an ethical problem developing, without question, in these polygamous families when the, the patriarch is only able to um, <clears throat> meet the uh, sexual needs of his wives on an irregular basis. This is basic common sense. Unless they get together um, every night and have group sex. Now, I'm I'm saying that deliberately. And the reason mm-hmm. I'm saying that deliberately is to get people to think. Because what does it say in your Bible about not doing that? Yes. Does it say any, well, it must be in the chapter where it talks about oral sex. Remember that chapter? About no.
4: That,
0: no I didn't.
1: that chapter does not exist. It does not. And the Bible does not talk about oral sex in a negative manner anywhere. Um, I've talked about the Song of Songs elsewhere. I won't go on that right now. <clears throat> I'm talking about a negative manner. There's nothing. this That's another Christian myth.
4: That's very important, though.
1: Which has to do with the subject of false guilt, by the way. Okay, so anyway, you've got to be able to grasp this. It is absolutely true that it is going to be – I mean, if you're not supposed to be practicing – I'm not talking about lesbianism. I'm talking about female bisexuality. If you're not supposed to be practicing that, then you better have some um, very clear ethical guidelines for these polygamous families so we know exactly what to do and what not to do, right?
0: No. Because God
1: wants his people to be obedient, and so he's going to give them clear, observable laws, right? Right. Okay, so you know what we have in the Bible about uh, practicing um, bisexuality uh, within the context of polygamous families? You know what we have in the Bible? Mm -hmm. Precisely nothing. (laughs) And that's the best way that I can think of to come to the realization that the Bible says absolutely nothing about female female bisexuality, this will completely fry the Christian brain. Because they don't believe this. They believe that it's an abomination. Right? Mm -hmm. Because they don't make a proper distinction between female bisexuality and lesbianism. Now, lesbianism... You can tell that that's what's being addressed there in Romans 1 because he's talking about abandoning, you know, the God-ordained um, nature of a woman or a man. You know what I mean? For instance, if you're a lesbian, you're not going to have children, right? And the Scripture says that women will be saved through doing what? Childbearing. This is right in the Bible in the apostolic Scriptures. You know? What I mean? That that's the role of a woman. Because at some point along the way we lost we got so far off track that we forgot that well gee, somebody has to raise the children. Well, can't we just go out and make money and uh it'll be okay anyway? I mean, if we make enough money it'll it'll be okay, won't it? We'll meet all their emotional needs some other way. If we just make enough money <laughs> Well actually what you can see is that people are not even thinking at all. They just kind of follow along, and they kind of feel the feel their way through life. They look a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, and that's big horde. They're marching forward, you know, the herd. And uh, they just try to blend in and uh, not do anything too radical and just kind of be accepted. And this is what people are doing. So uh, Christians go to church, and uh, here's what they do. They act a little bit different than the world. That's what those little pablam sermons cause them to do, act a little different than the world. They don't act radically different. They don't. They act a little different. And uh, if you go and you see what Apostle John said about um, believers, it says they cannot love the world. If they love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. I'll just tell you flat out that Christians love the world. They love the world system. And uh, I know a lot of Christians. I know my mother, who's dead now, I can say this. Mm. She loved Hollywood with everything she had. You know what I mean? Absolutely loved it. And I preached against that all over. It was like speaking to a brick wall. The emotional attachment was so strong. When she was... um, a young girl, she decided she wanted to be a thespian, hmm. and uh, her way of acting that out was just through passively watching, um, I guess you could say she's a frustrated thespian, and just watching Hollywood films and admiring all, I mean, she just knew everything about all these, you know, actresses and stuff like that, you know. Right. And,
0: uh,
4: wow. I don't know. Anything in the stronghold of evil is... Satanism, it's Hollywood. You know, I work around that stuff, I can testify to that. It's just absolutely it's designed around that.
1: Uh-huh.
4: Well, uh,
1: a little side note here, you were telling me that um you you actually uh were working alongside Nikki Six.
0: Yeah.
1: Correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. he was in Motley Motley crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm and you were acknowledging that I, I, I I seem to know quite a bit about music, but, uh, I don't think that band was worth a whole lot of anything. (laughs) I told you that earlier. So,
4: so to their credit, um, they didn't have any illusions about what they wanted to do. I believe they, the quote was, I think they wanted to play rock and roll and get laid, but I mean, yeah, they never pretended to be anything more than that. Just, just, you know, stand up for them there. But, uh, (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's
4: about it yeah.
1: well that's one of the best ways to pull that off
4: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. a lot I could say about that hey John are you still around or did you pass out okay. is there, yeah. are you in front of a computer yeah oh he's still there is there anybody else in the chat room
2: nope. no but I probably need to refresh the page hold yeah. on
1: I'm out walking around because it's really super hot here, and uh, I got my shirt off, and it's a glorious night with the moon out there. and:
4: I'm no advocate of violence, but uh, Dave, do you remember how occasionally you get a, a video on the news of Tommy Lee attacking a photographer or several? I always kind of enjoyed that. Hmm.
1: Well, you know? as a fakeologist, I can prefer myself with that. I would question whether that even happened. Uh, but I, I, believe, I believe it did. I'm just saying, you know, you got a question, but they just manufactured that stuff.
4: Right. It, there was a story one time where it took, uh, it, we it took several sheriffs uh, to uh, take him down. That kind of thing for me would definitely be a bogus.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, he's a pretty big guy. He knows. Um, can we do this? Can we do kind of a hybrid deal? The, it's pretty heavy-duty topic we just came off of. Can we take it back to the Beach Boys again? I have a quote from Brian Wilson, and uh, then maybe we can go back into the definition. Sure,
1: let me, fi- let me finish Second Temple Judaism, I'll <laughs> right. wrap that up. Yep, yep. So anyway, um, you know, there were partial uh, reforms during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah when they came back from uh, exile in Judah. And the, you can see that the people were kind of lackluster. They were kind of apathetic. They were hard to get motivated, and they had a lot of enemies that were trying to actually keep this temple from being... Uh, Developed, but this was not. This was an insufficient restoration and, and reformation. Uh, it was a, it was partial restoration, and the the rabbis always were aware of this kind of thing. They, in their writings, they were still looking for the restoration of Israel. In other words, they didn't believe that this was it, and they were interpreting scripture, you know, properly, and they were correct as far as looking for a uh, literal restoration, and the church abandoned that view, and somewhat fortunately, to some degree, it was restored through dispensational theology, which I actually believe was propaganda. And, uh, but that's one of the good things about it. It actually has a... It's looking for a future restoration. But uh, the reason I want to wrap this up is because, like I have said before... um. This religion was corrupt. It, it, you know, it was corrupted. It, but basically, it spiraled down from the time of Ezra and Nehemiah to the time of John the Baptist. And you can see that, you know, as a general rule, I, I pointed out last night an exception to this, uh, where Jesus talked about um, obeying those who sit sit in the seat of Moses. And this had to do with what we would call secular laws. And the reason we call them secular laws is because it was actually like a, uh, it was a religious state back then. That's what a theocracy is. So I don't don't want to delve into all that. But as a general rule, you know, James the Just, the leader of the early church, and the apostles, and Jesus, and John the Baptist, they didn't have anything good to say about this uh, religion at all. So the only conclusion would be that it was false. You know what I mean? But that was the religion uh, of that day that we call Judaism. And uh, scholars call it Second Temple Judaism to distinguish between the post-Temple religion, because the Temple was destroyed, people usually say around 70 A.D., but there's no way to actually prove that with any accuracy. And uh, then you had a non-Temple religion, and uh, the terminology that I use is actually uh, Talmudic. Judaism, and Michael Hoffman II has has proven in his um, his great work, which I have. It's like a very large work book. It's called Judaism Discovered, and uh, I guess you could say the primary thesis of that book is that it's a it's it's a radically different religion. I'm trying to use you know be accurate. And there's a uh, a thin veneer that when you penetrate it, you see Satanism across the board. And he's not one of these people that has a problem talking about Satanism. But this verifies my view that um, it was actually Satanists that created that religion. They also created Christianity, uh, what we call Constantinian Christianity. See, this is where Chris, there's a sense where Christianity is a, a new religion, but only in a bad way. You know what I mean? In the first century, it was a sect. The Bible says this, a sect. You, you cannot use Scripture to prove it's a new religion because it doesn't have the word religion. It doesn't have the word cult. So if you want to go with what your Bible says, what does it say? A sect. The sect of the Nazarenes. The sect. Of the Nazarenes. And you've got people running around actually saying that. Messianic Jews. You know, we're the Nazarenes. We trace our roots back to the apostles. <laughs> a lot of people would say that. It's completely Nobody can prove these things. You know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, you, you can't use the Bible. I mean, if it was a new religion, uh, as far as the terminology that we had, you couldn't even prove it was a new religion with the Bible anyway. It's just, you you've got problems everywhere but um so in the first century it was a sect, and the temple was destroyed and uh after that, there was a, a new institutional religion created artificially, and uh God didn't do that uh he destroyed the theocracy, he destroyed the institutional structure of that religion, and he he did not rebuild it he he did not do that, okay. Uh, but the, the Vatican and Roman Catholicism sprang up, and, um, you know, God is behind everything. But I've talked about before how um, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2, it actually prophesies that religion, which is Roman Catholicism, and it's obviously a false religion. And I've talked about before how we have massive problems trying to say, well, well, I don't believe in Roman Catholicism, and that's from the devil, but, you know, I'm a Protestant. Well, <laughs> Your religion supposedly emerged out of a false religion. You know what I mean?
0: No. And,
1: and they didn't change anything. They didn't change anything in the... Uh, I'm not talking about the Council of Trent. Okay. I'm talking about the um, the older, authoritative church councils, okay. which the Eastern Church agreed with seven of them that they were actually infallible. Nobody has a problem with these things. But so how can that be a false religion? Well, actually, the um, you got a disconnect going on because um, the Protestants said that it was a false religion, but they're going to follow along with their church councils anyway. This doesn't make a lick of sense to anybody, but that's you can see they're not even thinking.
4: Well, as you dig that hole deeper, Dave, I'm going to again ask you why, in fact, in the light of that, do you call yourself a Christian?
1: Well, a- when, a- terminology yeah. is absolutely critical, okay? Because let's let's go back and look at Christianity. What is Christianity? Well, I gave two different definitions. Okay. Christianity can be um, the biblical first century faith, or Christianity can be the institutional religion that emerged later. Normally I'm talking about institutional Constantinian Christianity, okay? So it... You know, what is a Christian? Um, The reason I can call myself a Christian is because a Christian is someone who follows Jesus and uh, obeys him. You you have to... You know, Jesus said, "Um, if you don't love me, if, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You have to do what he says. Christians today do not do what Jesus says. They can't even govern themselves. They have so many bad habits. They cannot rule their own body. You know what I'm saying? Things are out of control. They're trying to look like a Christian. Whatever a Christian's supposed to look like. Behind the scenes, they can't pull it off. If you are around these people, look at the Christians that you've met in your own life, not the people that you go go to church with, okay? But the people that like in your family and in your work, how many of these people would um, would measure up to a first-century holiness standard of the apostles? Now, This is something that re- a lot of people don't really understand what I just said, hmm. because the standard doesn't change.
3: It hasn't changed for every generation. It's still the same. It, it, it's absolutely frightening. There should only be... A few churches in town,
1: and these churches should be depopulated. If you started uh, preaching the truth and practicing um, biblical excommunication and church discipline, these churches would be emptied out, and the first thing would happen—they they they'd go bankrupt because they have these building plans. <clears throat> it's almost like they're just like everybody else out there. They're almost like living, you know, month to month. They've overextended themselves. And uh, they got too many bills. So if this turns into a bondage, this is a whole subject in itself. Mm-hmm. The pastors don't have a lot of room to play around, with especially if they have a, uh, a church board that has significant influence on what they say and don't say. They can be fired. And you've got to bring in the money. You know what I mean? There's pressure mm-hmm. on you to perform. Yeah, you know, you've got to dance, you know, and um it's complicated because you know the great majority of pastors out there that are not satanic infiltrators, because I believe about one of five are, yeah. you know they're sincere individuals, although I have to say that well, I should back off of that <laughs> i'm not I'm not comfortable speculating at this point uh what percentage of American pastors who are not satanic infiltrators have been blackmailed. I'm going to say this. I've never heard anybody say this on the podcast before. There's a significant number, I think it would be pretty scary, of American pastors that have absolutely...
4: just cut out. I assume the majority of those you're talking are either pedophile or homosexual or both. Dude, they, they've, been,
1: they've been compromised.
4: They rail against that nonstop as if that's the only sin that's possible to commit, you know? And say, That's okay. It is
1: extremely easy to... Uh, <laughs> most pastors are uh, inc- unbelievably naive about anything is, is satanic or Illuminati. And you, you know this right off. You know they are. They're not th- even thinking about satanic infiltrators. So these guys are just... Um, they're easy prey for somebody like a uh, mind-controlled black widow. There's all kinds of different black widows. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is close your office door and talk to the woman, and you can be cooked. Because she will simply say, well, he did this, or he did that, or he touched me, and nobody else saw it, and they have a tendency to believe the woman. And then when you go to the court, a lot of these um, judges are Freemasons. Right. They're in on the whole thing. And it doesn't matter if they are or not. Most time they go with the woman's testimony in this politically correct culture. uh, But but you don't have to be ruined. What they can do is they can tell you about this before you go to court. And they go, here's what's going to happen when we go to court. Because we control the court system. And you didn't know that, but I'm telling you that today. Now, if you want to go to court and find out that we control the court system, you can go right ahead. Here's what's going to happen to you. And I 100% guarantee it. You will not be a pastor anymore. Or you can stop now. And do what we tell you from this point forward. And you can still be a a good, respectable pastor in your local neighborhood. What would you like to do? You
3: know what I mean? And I'm saying that there's a significant number of them that are compromised. Um,
1: I'm thinking about a percentage right now. I probably shouldn't even say. Uh, Hopefully it's not above 20%, though. I haven't thought about it much, so I'm just going to say that and just kind of move on. But, see, pastors, they have all these building programs. The foundation is faulty. You're not even supposed to build a church building, ever. And this is why we have problems with things like holiness and obedience, because you, have, you don't have enough teachers. You've got too many people and they're not, they're not participating at the most essential level, when you go to church, that is not fellowship. Fellowship is something that you can't create, and you can't create at Denny's with a cup of coffee either, talking to another Christian. That's not fellowship. It can be. It all depends on what the Holy Spirit does or doesn't do. You can't manufacture it. It's like people don't even know what fellowship is anymore. You know what I mean? But when you go to church, that is not fellowship. There's no time to fellowship. You know, talking uh, uh, over a cup of coffee with somebody? No. Okay? See, because you might think it is. Well, why can't that be fellowship, Dave? Because, see, it's something significant. It's not just talk. It's something significant. And that can't happen that quickly. In our culture, we think, oh, yeah, you can do it. You can, no. Um, believe me, I know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a good book that talks about this. It's been a while, but um, anyway, so you're not even supposed to be building churches. We're supposed to have house churches, and then once the uh, a house church cannot get very become very big, you're going to obviously have to have another house church, and you can't advertise because you won't be a house church anymore. So it's very hard to find house churches because they don't advertise, and so um, there's supposed to be house churches, lots of house churches, okay, small, where you can meet and interact with people on a significant level, and stare, instead of staring at the back of their neck uh, during a um, a speech, because that's that's what it is we call that's a sermon. <laughs> it's not biblical. And I'm going to be uploading a a podcast from another podcast called The Men of Torah. And in that, you will hear uh, men that are so far more educated and mature than anything that will come out of a local church. It's like shocking. It's, It's evident almost immediately that something radically different is going on here. These men are educated. They don't educate you in a local church. And these guys talk about that there's nobody's interested the, the people they don't even they don't even want to learn and, and pastors actually know that, so that's why they don't try to teach them anything they they they've they've given up they're apathetic and and uh you know pastors you got to have some sympathy for I mean, they' they get depressed. A local church is not a place to go to get inspired um if you're a pastor, you're not going to be inspired either. Because you're not going to get inspired being around these people. Because all you see is mass mediocrity. These people are television addicts. And you're actually competing with television. I said before, God is competing too. In a funny sort of way. And uh, the great majority of Christians will never tell you this, but they believe that God is boring. And they also believe that um, the church is boring. They believe that... um, That Bible reading is boring, and they especially believe that prayer is boring.
3: And I said on a recent podcast. Dave cut off. You can't hear me anymore?
2: You're good. You said in a recent podcast, and then you got cut off.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay,
1: well, I'm back now, right? Cut it
4: off, Johnny. That might have been all it was. I hear him. What?
3: No, Dave, I can't hear you. Can you hear me okay, Robert? Yeah, I can hear you. Well, I don't know what his problem is. Let me
1: know if you can't hear me, okay? I can hear you now. Okay, I don't know what the problem. It must be at your end. Um, if you are an American Christian hu- husband, and if you if you don't pray before you go to work, you got to be pretty disciplined to do that. Now, what's happening all across the reason? One of the problems is because one of what people are doing. I talked about this before, so I'm kind of restating things. This is a cult that we live in, the cult of society. And in every cult, sleep deprivation is very, very important. And what people are doing all across America in Western culture, they're staying up too late. And one of the reasons is their nervous system is actually overstimulated uh, by, by technology. They're supposed to turn off the computer, and uh, or the TV an hour before you try to go to sleep. But people can't pull themselves away from these devices. We know this. And so you have, um, you know, Christian couples that are laying in bed and falling asleep with the television on. They use it like, uh, like a drug to go to sleep, you know. It's just the way we do things. But people are staying up too late. They don't know how to say no. And so when you wake up in the morning, you don't feel... As energetic like you're supposed to do in an ancient agrarian culture. You're not raring to go. And uh, you didn't sleep eight hours, and uh, you don't feel like praying. Okay, so if you don't pray before you go to work, when are you going to pray? Are you going to pray uh, on your lunch break? How many, how many Christians are dedicated enough to do that? Are you going to pray when, immediately when you come home, you know, when you're fatigued, you're mentally fatigued? You no. Know, very unlikely. Are you going to pray, uh, you know, on primetime television at three hours? Of, is that what uh, American uh, Christians are doing all across America? Uh, I'm saying no. Okay. So if you're not doing that, then um, the time for you to pray is when you um, are at your lowest energetic state when you go to bed. You know what I mean? Now, of course, a lot of people go to bed and have sex. And I'm not a fool. I mean, a lot of people are. They're not, their bodies are not functioning properly. Uh, they're not having as much sex as um, you might think that they are, but because they're tired and uh, their bodies are not. They're just not functioning right. I mean, males. You know,
0: yep. you got
1: penile dysfunction syndrome. <laughs> you got all kinds of problems. That's why. That's why people are buying the Viagra and stuff like that because their bodies are toxic. They're not. They can't. They're not functioning, they're not performing. You've got performance issues and you're not supposed don't talk about that, Dave, you know. You gonna talk about that in a local church? I, I don't think so.
4: You know I mean? you're tired of sex.
1: Yeah. So I mean I mean his, people are tired. They are worn out, they're they're physically exhausted, they're mentally exhausted. Everybody wants more energy. What's the number one indicator that everybody's tired? Look at how everybody's just drinking coffee all the time. You know what I mean? What does that tell you? They're tired. All
0: right.
1: And that's a massive conspiracy because what that's going to do, it's going to blow out your adrenal glands and then you're completely sunk. Mm-hmm. That's, that shows you right there the value of knowledge. Do you think it might be important to understand that if you drink coffee every day, you're going to blow out your adrenal glands and then you're cooked? Do you think that might be important to know that? Is Dr. Dum Dum going to tell you that? No, he's not. So. If you're going to take a substance like that, like a stimulant, even a herb, you have to cycle it. And there's different ways to cycle it. You cannot do it day after day because your body will adapt to it. And you'll have to have increasing amounts to get the same effect. I mean, this is simple, basic, common sense. So what's going to happen to you down the road? Nothing good. Safety. You're going to get less and less energy. Go ahead. You're going to exhaust yourself, and that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Go ahead.
2: Can you talk about that cycling, like how we're supposed to cycle it?
1: Well, what you want to do, you, you can create a microcycle within a day. Uh, start off with coffee and then drink uh, tea later. And what I recommend doing, uh, do not buy green tea unless it's organic, because it's it almost certainly comes from China and this this is an absolute conspiracy by the way. This stuff has um supposedly the highest concentrate of fluoride as anything you can buy in a supermarket. Now I, I don't trust this stuff that they tell you. I mean I used to. You know, well that's alternative health news. Well, as uh-huh. it turns out that a lot of that state stuff is uh is controlled information well, you know what we call it is tier two propaganda. Whoa. Yeah, there's tier two propaganda in the alternative health uh, industry. You know, and, and this is this is true. Um, when you get into that, you kind of get this 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 pride thing going on, because you're proud about how you're different than the rest of society. You know, you've made changes and uh, you've cleansed your body, and um, you're proud of what you've done. And you tend to be a sucker for these a lot of this, these stories that get circulated out there. Because you believe these, you want to believe these things are true. You have an emotional bias. I used to be like this. I used to believe all this stuff, you know. I mean, it was, it was like us versus them. You know, it's, it's kind of like taking the conspiracy um, movement and just saying it, it's all good versus them. You know, the people who don't know. We're the ones that know. They're the other ones that don't know. Imagine if you did that in the conspiracy movement. See, we know that alternative media is largely manufactured by Illuminati. We, we know that. But you know, there's people out there that don't know that at all. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Well, see, it's the same thing is true with alternative health. A lot of that information is put out there. It's It's disinformation to confuse people. You know, just like they have confusing information about whether you should drink wine, whether you shouldn't drink wine whether you should drink coffee, you know, whether it's good, whether it's bad. Or why do they keep rolling out these stories about the benefits of drinking a, a glass of red wine each night? You know what I mean? They know about the nature of humans, and most people have a uh, an addictive personality in different degrees, and they know that um, most people are not going to drink. How many people are going to drink a glass of wine every night? They're not going to drink a glass of wine. They're going to drink two, three, four, you know what I mean? Uh So what they're doing is say, it's okay to do this. Go right ahead and drink your wine. (laughs) Because they probably won't drink... How many uh, males are... You know, if they're not, you know, French or Italian, how many are going to drink wine, period? They're not even going to drink wine at all. They just say, well, I'll I'll just drink my vodka. That's good for you, you know. know. (laughs) Whatever the heck, you know. Mm. I mean, humans have an unbelievable... A tendency to, uh, to self-deception, or justify things. That because we have these these habits, these ingrained habits. You have to get victory over these things. That's what the Apostle Paul talked about. And um, the great majority of people, they're simply... They're not able to do it, for one reason or another. It doesn't matter whether they're Christian or not. Uh, what the Christians do is they try a lot harder to hide these things. They don't actually conquer them. They just hide them. Yeah. You ever hear anybody talk about that? Because I'm telling you that's what's going on. That's
0: embarrassing.
1: Look at pornography. I've, yeah. I've talked about it before. So They just hide the pornography. They don't conquer it. They can't yeah. conquer it. Then they want to fool themselves to go, I'm free in Christ. I'm free in Christ because uh, Christ forgives all my sins no matter what I do. So, therefore, I'm free in Christ. Not because I actually got victory over these things. I'm free in Christ because um, he loves me so much that he forgives me no Uh matter what I do. Because he loves me so much, you know. Isn't it wonderful? He loves you so much to forgive you for everything. Just like he forgave David and uh, he (laughs) killed his son despite the fact that David... uh, fasted and, and prayed and uh, then he cursed his whole bloodline and uh, it's still cursed today. And, unless you're a replacement theologian. Because if you're a replacement theologian, well that was all fulfilled in Christ. You see? There's no literal restoration of the house of David like Amos chapter 9 teaches. The restoration of David's tabernacle, oh that's all fulfilled in Christ. That's fulfilled in the church.
4: It's like a lawyer finding a loophole in the east. <laughs> You look at that stuff, it's the same thing.
1: What you have to do is consistently register these chapters out of their context and spiritualize them. This is exactly what cults do. And we call it Christianity because, well, that's my religion. So we don't say nasty things about our religion unless it's another group in our religion that we don't like, but our group is okay. Because you know why it's okay? Because, um, because I'm in it. Does that sound like a good reason? That's, that's good enough, isn't it? This is my group. So my group is right. Your group is wrong. You know why your group is wrong, Robert? Because I'm not in it. If I was in your group, then my, you, that would be the best group. Do you realize that people are actually that simplistic? There's no thinking going on at all. So anyway, yeah, go back to what I was saying earlier. The foundation for uh you know, Christian local Christian churches is not in the Bible. So that means, <clears throat> this is shocking, that these pastors are delusional because they're, they're all claiming that they have this vision from God. You'll hear them talking about this vision from God. God gave us a vision. Every church has to have a vision. You know what this vision has to do with building, getting bigger, and, and throwing more money yep. out there so so we can impact the community? You know what I mean? Um Why don't you start giving money to the poor, like the Bible says, and then we'll see if you have anything left over for all these building projects. Because I'm going to bet that you don't have anything left over. If you actually do what you're supposed to do, help poor people, people in need, because they're not doing that. They don't have have the money.
4: It's for the building fund, and that's what, just to house more givers, right?
1: They're stretched thin with all their building projects. So anyway... What you see that, you know, there's no place in the Bible that actually God says to actually go build a a church or a synagogue. What does that tell you about all these uh, building programs and these visions from God? Because the, the people, they're so simplistic. Did you know that they believe these things? This is what gets them going. This is why they give money. God's behind this. God's, God's moving us forward. We're important. You know what I mean? Yeah. They buy into this vision. They call it a vision. We have a vision.
0: Well, it's not from
1: me. God. You know Think
0: why? It, it, Go back it, it, and look
1: it. to the foundation. He, he, where does he talk about these things in the Bible? Nowhere. Yeah. And they want to say, well, my beliefs are based on the Bible. Okay, so you're delusional too. Okay, next next person.
4: High-pressure sales tactics.
0: Really what you big. know,
1: and um, we talk about delusional Christians. And that sounds crazy to people. They are delusional. And actually, you know, just to bring this home, put it in context, you could make the case that um, that mankind is delusional, period. This shouldn't be an issue. Uh, because of the fall of Adam, we all became delusional. And some of them are just more delusional than other delusional people. And I actually believe that. So it's not that big of a deal to say that people are delusional.
4: When you talked about the distinction between those that kind of have the, uh, just initial hunger for truth and then kind of abandoned it when it gets rough, and then those that are able to hold, you know, hold fast to it because they're, for whatever, they're, um, their hunger for truth is, uh, I guess, all-consuming. It gets that pretty interesting. Yeah. That's very few people. Um, that hold to it, um yeah, very few
1: you'll see very few Christians that are uh zealous uh in the long term the 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 ones that um appear to be zealous or they have a reputation of being zealous is actually false zeal. There's such a thing as false zeal. And, you know, the Bible says that zeal without knowledge is not good. And I've seen uh, plenty of people out there, Christians, who have, you'll meet them. And they come up to you, and you can tell these guys don't know nothing about nothing, but they have all kinds of zeal. And they want to talk about their Jesus, you know. And they want to shake your hand. And, can I talk to you about Jesus today? I say, oh, I'm already a Christian. They go, oh, you are? Well, you ought to come to my local church, meet my pastor, or something, you know. It's all about, you know, selling the program. These guys are an extension of their pastors. The Illuminati creates these programs, by the way. <clears throat> and they just come and go as the culture changes. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the big one that the Illuminati created, uh, a while back, that had all the uh, mails. You had to participate in this, or you just weren't with it, you know. Um, it was, uh, I think, uh, it was two words, and both of them started with with the letter P. What the heck was that called? Um, you know what I'm talking
4: about, Robert? Yeah, I do. Promise Keepers? You can't think of it either? Promise Keepers?
1: Yes, Promise. Oh, well, it's not two Ps. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, promise keepers, and that was, like, the big thing. And, in in, you know, in your local church, I mean, if you didn't go to that, there was something wrong with you. What, what, why didn't you participate in this? i tell you 100% uh, that, um, 100% chance Illuminati created that. They do this over and over again. They're doing it all through the history of the church. They just hurried the people here and there.
4: you remember how twisted the promise, actually, what what that actually was about?
1: Uh, refresh my memory, if, if you can. There's several things.
4: Um, for the military, uh, that, it was something that they would never fire upon <laughs> U.S. citizens if commanded to do so. And then it was another thing as far as um, responsibility as a male. Um just had some like, ultra-conservative leanings. But I thought that was kind of... Uh, yeah, I thought the uh, military aspect was kind of a interesting thing. It's all the propaganda. We pacify people that were yeah. scared about that kind of thing, you know.
1: Well, you were going to ask me something there about the Beach Boys. Oh. I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to do a show with Errol C. Mm. He's a fakeologist. Um, Definitely. It'll be, uplo- oh. it'll be uploaded on the Fakeologist Radio. Okay. And uh, of course, we'll put it up on our show too. But we're just supposed to t- just talk about music.
4: You do that one already? No. Okay. Right. Yeah, uh, this is Brian Wilson again. You know, uh, there's a I just real
1: quick, I only say there's two geniuses out there. Yes. That I acknowledge is one's Todd Rundgren and the other one's Brian Wilson. Uh-huh. I'm not saying that's any degree of accuracy. That's just my opinion. If if yes. I was to um, throw somebody else in there, it might be Frank Zappa. And, uh, you know, he's kind of like William Reich. I mean, he's got more hang-ups than a dry cleaner. But the guy, musically, he's completely off the charts. He hasn't been properly respected because, um, for a number of reasons. But he uh, was definitely Illuminati. There's no question about that. He had ties with Laurel Canyon. And if you know what was going on with there. <clears throat> right. Back in the whole... Uh, social engineering movement was going on in the 60s and stuff like that. These are satanic families and concentrated in one area. And they, a lot of them had, uh, well, their fathers were involved with, like, military intelligence and stuff like that.
4: I was talking to that guy, Chris, the other day about specifically Zappa and how that song, Valley Girl, and the whole influence of the Valley Girl language uh-huh. is still holds today. Um that kids using or just in general society in general just using words like like and things like that. That's all from that Valley Girl influence, and it's just bizarre that that for some reason is held. Um, now it's worldwide. You know, i know mean, it's nationwide for sure, but um, you know uh, every other word that you use is like you know, younger kids, I guess.
1: Yeah, I know what you're talking about because uh, I actually I actually researched that song.
4: Okay, interesting.
1: And I didn't know these things before I researched it. Huh? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: That was like a hit single with him.
4: <laughs> right. Well,
0: it had he got,
1: his daughter. It? Um, what's her name? Moon Unit or is that somebody else?
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: But his his albums uh, during a certain era, like in the eighties, are some of the most vile, uh, <laughs> pornographic filth that has ever come out uh, in world history, without question. But see, uh, I know about music, that, I, that doesn't that has nothing to do with his musical skills. I mean, the guy was um, assuming that he was actually doing these things, which we're not absolutely certain. I mean, he was touring; he was out there live, you know. And so, uh, but I mean, he was extremely diverse. I had a number of; I had quite a few of his albums, and you know, this was before I was Christian, and. Uh, but he was into like classical music and uh orchestras and all that kind of stuff, you know.
0: <clears throat>
1: yeah. He had it all ra- all all wrapped up in one. He had the bizarre humor and uh he, you know, pornography and everything. <laughs> it's unbelievable.
4: Would gen would gender equality be an issue that he would be an advocate of today if he was around? Yeah. Gender equality? Would that be an issue he would be an advocate of today if he was around? Oh yeah.
1: He uh <laughs> He died. He died of. Um, well, we're told he died of colon cancer. See, so I always go back. Did he really die? You know, I mean, you really have to say that every single time. Yet, is there any deaths that we shouldn't at least question? Why? Why shouldn't we question question a death? Is there any deaths that we have infallible information about? Well, we know for sure that that death wasn't faked. Do we ever know that? I mean, even if you're at the funeral, what does that prove? Because these famous people, they have doubles. So if you're a family member, you look in the coffin and go, well, I saw him. It doesn't prove anything to me, unfortunately. Not if you're Illuminati, you see. Because I see my Illuminati is a lot more advanced than other people's Illuminati. So they can do all these things that people don't think they can do. I believe they can do them. I'm not even sure what they can do. To me, it's open-ended, like I said before. But well, what were you going to say about the Beach Boys?
4: <clears throat> um, I just had a little. I talked about
1: there. them recently on a podcast. Can't remember oh,
4: when. This, this one, maybe. Um. Yeah. So anyway, I guess he claimed there's some kind of demonic influence in,
3: in his writing. Uh, who are you talking about, Brian Wilson? You there? Hey, Johnny. I got total silence at my end. Yeah, I'm
2: here.
1: Did he drop off? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Um, M-
2: Michael Lark sent me a sent me a message about the first Ginger Pride Parade. He wanted you to know about this. Okay.
3: Well, um.
1: You know, we talked about defining Christianity earlier and uh, what Christianity is. It's a society. It, it's a diaspora society. I use the word diaspora a lot. Christianity is a diaspora religion. We're a diaspora people, but it's a, it's a diaspora society with, within a society. Okay, and, and it's us versus them. And Christians do not have a diaspora mindset. Okay we're We're supposed to be pilgrims, okay, and our ties to this world are supposed to be very thin, okay It's like you're supposed to be ready to pick up your bags and go and this is not the mentality that people have; they're totally tied into this world, and you know this world system is theirs, and uh they're hell bent on improving it, you know I mean, we're trained in uh churches somewhat incredibly. Because it's always the wrong way to waste and deplete the energy of the masses who are de- always delusional. They're always delusional, okay? If you have a large group of people, uh, just take for granted that they're delusional. They're always delusional. Once, once the group gets large enough, they're always delusional. But um, the delusion is, ask yourself if this is delusional, that we can change the world... Uh, to the political system, okay? Christians need to get out there and get involved in politics, Johnny. Get those Christians voting. Get the right candidates in there. Uh, We need to get good, strong Christian uh, politicians out there. We need to get Christians voting. Ask yourself this question. Is it true or is it not true that this is what pastors promote and believe? Oh, yeah. This is about the only thing they will say about politics. They'll encourage you to vote.
2: No, it's so pointless. And
1: that's about it. Other than that, you just get silence
2: from them.
4: So get out there and vote.
2: Yeah. Well, that's why you can destroy a political system to huh? somebody. Just mention how voting though, really doesn't change anything. It doesn't matter. They have to put their faith in voting.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I'm going to show you this is a, a total delusion. Okay? This is not how you change society. You change society by look, not looking outward at the corrupt world, which is always going to be corrupt, but you do the exact opposite. Remember we talked about doing the opposite? Here's a good example of that. So do the exact opposite of what the churches want you to do, and that's go out, change the world. No. Uh, you know, also, another one, the evangelization. Don't even get me going on that. I guess that's... I got to talk for a while. People are so programmed about evangelizing, which they, they don't do, but they they still think you should do it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying that the the importance of it is um, completely misunderstood for a number of reasons. One of those reasons would be that the the so-called Great Commission uh, was for 12 people, and, and that's just a fact. And everybody believes, well, this is for all Christians. It's binding. No, that's sheer madness. So if that's true, what I just said, it's binding all Christians, then um, all women are supposed to take their children and go off and be evangelists and spread the gospel. Because Jesus said, go into all the world, right? So if that's for all Christians, then we're supposed to do that. Otherwise, we're committing a sin of omission. You see that? This is totally absurd. He's speaking to his um, his 12 disciples. It's called audience relevance. You'll never hear that term in a local church because they don't even know what it means. I don't know how many times these people twist the scriptures and Jesus is simply speaking to his disciples. Will you just please allow him to do that? <laughs> Here's an easy way to understand it. Guess what, folks? Did you know that that not every time that Jesus speaks to his disciples does that apply to you as a Christian. Because there's, there's Christians out there that act like every single time he talks to the disciples, well, he's really talking about us, too. He's talking about Christians. No, he's not. He's just talking to his disciples. You see that? Mm-hmm. Anyway, I've, I've talked about this before, but you can quickly prove that the Great Commission, it, it's just for the Apostles. It has nothing to do with us whatsoever you don't have this burden of going out and uh i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna obey that well, you need to be a missionary or you're sinning so go be a missionary you know sacrifice all Now, somebody needs to, <laughs> the foundation for the um, society is a strong family and what does that have to do with mother, father, and children okay Somebody has to stay home and take care of children somewhere. Not wander around trying to get people saved. So, anyway, what we're doing is the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to turn inward. Israel failed at this too. They didn't look at themselves, they looked outside of themselves at the wicked, quote unquote, Gentile world and they said, They're so wicked. And God didn't give them the Torah. He blessed us with with his, um, his royal laws. And he made us an elect nation and we're the apple of God's eye. You know what I mean? And they would compare themselves with the wicked world and pat themselves on the back. And I'm telling you, nothing's changed. Christians are still doing the same thing. I said on a recent podcast that most Christians... Don't even live up to the standard of a secular person in the 1950s. Think about all the evils that didn't even exist back then, that they are virtually surrounded with and immersed. If you don't believe that, then think about what happens if you're stupid enough, and I just insulted a bunch of people, to send your child off to be schooled in a secular uh, school. Uh, where where do you find that in the Bible? My 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 belief is based on the Bible. How many how many times we put that to the test and it's complete failure, complete flame out. Where in the heck in these um ancient Jewish cultures did they send their children off to be schooled by the secular state? Isn't it true that the parents raised their own children? And then we sit back and we wonder, well, what happened to this, to our society? I'll tell you what happened. The number one problem in our culture is the dissolution of the family structure. Illuminati knew right where to go, and they attacked it with everything they had. And what they wanted to do was get, get the mother out away from the children, get her working out there in a the secular world. And they accomplished that very well. And now, see, everyone has the opposite mindset, where you think a woman should be at home in bondage? What, you Because know, it has to do with women's rights. And if you don't believe in women's rights, you're an evil patriarchal... Uh, you got an ev- e- evil patriarchal mindset, whatever, you know what
4: I mean? She can't leave, she can't leave the house, but who's calling it bondage? Yeah. Women's
1: rights, right? You know the Bible is just totally repugnant to anybody with a modern mindset because um, <clears throat> women did not have the same rights as men. They did not have the right to to divorce their husband, and you cannot use the Bible to prove that anywhere. Period. Show me in the New Testament where it talks about. You got to remember in the Law of Moses. The only way that a marriage could be annulled, <clears throat> this is by a male. There's no discussion of a female, because they can't, they can't divorce. Sorry. The only way you could annul a marriage was uh, through a written document. Okay? So where is this discussion of this written document in the New Testament? Well, actually, there is a discussion about it in the New Testament. Jesus talked about it, and he held to the same standards as the Law of Moses. He didn't change anything. He said, except for the Greek word is pornea. That has to do with um sexual infidelity. And The word pornea can mean different things. It's it's pretty clear what that is. And uh other than that, I mean it's you're still married. Uh the reason he's talking about that is because um they had different schools of uh Judaism. And uh, they they held to different views about um, what a husband could divorce his wife for. Because one school of thought, if I understand correctly, that you could actually divorce your your wife because she she burnt the toast. Okay. And what I'm saying is, it's something you don't hear people talk about because they haven't learned how to think straight about the Bible. The Bible doesn't even tell you these things. Uh, in the Law of Moses, it just says, um, it doesn't give you any detail. Uh, if, if a husband is displeased with his wife, I'm trying to think of the right word here because I'm due off the top of my head. Um, but it doesn't give you any detail. And divorce is like, you know, hugely important. So this is why you had all these rabbis debating about what a husband could actually divorce his wife over. Because the Bible doesn't actually tell you. Uh, I think it might be... Uh, is it infidelity? I don't think that's it. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. But it, does, it the fact is, the Bible does not give you details. So, what I just say? The Bible does not give you details about how you can divorce your wife. you think that might be important? Yes. Why isn't that information in the Bible? Well, you need to understand it's not there. And that's a good example to show there's all kinds of things in the Bible. They're they're simply not there. Like I said before, it doesn't discuss divorce and remarriage in the New Testament. I'm, I'm talking about Paul. It's not there. This is a huge problem. People don't even talk about this. Because you got to understand, there was actually... Um, <clears throat> There was different set of laws for Christians. Romans three one tells us that there was two different tiers in the first century messianic community. I'm trying to avoid the word church. And Paul says, what advantage is there then in being a Jew? He says, much in every way. Now, he's talking about people who observe the law of Moses, you know, Torah observers, being Torah observant, and people who are non-Torah observant, and they're not on the same level. This is anathema to our modern, politically correct mind. Where everybody, oh, everybody's equal, and they try to come up with these passages from Paul. It's complete nonsense. Well, you know, at the very least, he's kind of dicking himself. You know what I mean? These are the same people who go to school and believe what the Illuminati tells them. All men are created equal. You know, that's why they, and then they interpret the Bible through that lens. And I've talked about that before. That's completely, uh, Fallacious belief system, and uh, it, it's totally absurd that any two things can be precisely equal. The person's not even thinking. Um, so anyway, <clears throat> yeah, the Bible doesn't even tell you um, what a uh, you can divorce your wife for. It doesn't give any details. So I mean, the information was there somewhere. It's been lost. This is absolutely vital information. And uh, we we don't have it. And that is actually a curse from God. It has to be. because I've said before that marriage is um, the second most important decision you're going to make in your life. and And divorce is getting out of marriage. And so our Christian religion doesn't even tell us how to properly divorce. But my point I was making earlier is that nowhere in the Bible does it talk about um, okay, we're going to change the law. We're going to um, uh, enable women to divorce their husbands. Okay, well, if that's true, you're going to see a discussion about this written document. Whether do they have to have it or whether do they don't. Ask yourself this question. Is that discussion in the New Testament anywhere? I'm telling you flat out it's not. Now, you know what this does? It completely annihilates the concept that Christianity is a new religion in the first century. Because that is based on the premise that God gave them uh, new laws which replaced the old laws. I mean, everybody knows this, you know, Old Covenant, New Covenant. Uh, the word uh, testament is a Latin term for covenant. So every time that we say, Illuminati created this word, every time that we say the word you know, Testament, we're talking about the New Covenant, you know, New Testament, New Covenant. That's that's what we mean, whether we realize it or not. Okay, so you have this new religion that replaced the old religion, and that new religion, this is incredibly simplistic thinking, and it's propaganda from the Roman Catholic Church, and almost all Christians believe it. Now, what do they believe, Dave? Roman Catholic propaganda. You need to hear that, okay? They believe that this new religion which began in Acts chapter 2, is based on these new, new laws that replace the old laws. Now, Robert, is, is that true or is that not true? You know, this is not a trick question.
4: <laughs> based on new laws that replace the old laws?
1: Yeah. The new religion is, well, it would make perfect common sense. If there's a new religion and was... God wants us to do the right thing, we have to have new laws to replace the old laws, right?
4: And, and those laws, uh, right. And that's okay. what
1: Christians believe. Mm-hmm. But guess what? These bad. new laws, they're not in the Bible. They're not there. For instance, um, you can look at these uh, so-called 613 laws. I guarantee there's not 613. Whatever there are, there's not 613. You, you can just throw that number out. But um, if you look down these laws, you'll go, well, okay, where's this law addressed in the uh Apostolic scriptures, about whether we have to keep it or whether we don't. It it doesn't even talk about it. So you're just left to yourself. It's absolutely amazing that, um, you know, Christian um, theologians have bought into this. They have this herd mentality. They're textbook repeaters. You see they don 't want to stand out from the pack you you have these um just like the Illuminati through the social engineers they they define what is normal. you know what I mean mm-hmm. that way they can radicalize the truth if it 's too far away from their definition of normal oh that's that 's radical i mean you don 't want you want to believe in that you 'd be a strange person, you know what I mean well, they did a very good job of that with Christianity, they codified. Um, a lot of teachings. And there was a lot of things you just simply could not talk about anymore. I've mentioned this before. And, and they're not talked about after they were anathematized. You don't see any intelligent discussion about these things. This is unbelievable in the history of the church. I've talked about the preexistence of the soul. I've talked about it before. There's no discussion, no theological discussion. It's like people don't even think about it. You know. Like nothing, you know. And and this, this, this validates what I've said before. That there's something fundamentally wrong with the um the human mind. Okay? Because people do not take consider serious consideration of things unless they're actually set in their lap. Now I'm not trying to I'm just I could I could I could um talk about all kinds of examples of... I'm going to go to one place, okay? Um, The fakeologist community, okay? Is it true or is it not true that these people are only talking about, you know, this dialectic between the flat earth and um, the spherical earth? I'm not trying to say that there's never been any kind of discussion whatsoever about any kind of optional model. There's a very brief mention, and they go back to the, you know, the flat Earth. And that's supposed to be the solution for the uh, the propaganda about a spherical Earth? There's all kinds of possibilities, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's 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 glaringly obvious that the Illuminati is involved with pushing flat Earth propaganda, but that's what you see on YouTube. How, how, how hard is this to figure out? Yeah. I mean, if you look, you don't even have to look. You can't help but see. You could try to not look. <laughs> You'll end up, I mean, every time I look over to the right, they're trying to sell some kind of video on the flat earth to me on YouTube. And I'll just be playing music, and one of the things over on the right will be about the flat earth. Everything else is music, but they go, you got to watch this uh, flat earth video, Dave. Yeah. You know how many of those videos I've watched? Zero. Does that right. surprise you? Zero. Huh? I'm not a video watcher, and I think some people would say Dave likes to claim like he's so idealistic and uh, he, he doesn't watch YouTube videos, but he's he's looking at those videos. Come on now, he he just says that.
0: <laughs>
1: well, actually, I, I watch a few of them, and I, uh, I I don't make just like the movies and stuff. I don't I don't make it through them. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I watch the first few minutes, and then I go now. The thing is, you know, if you I, I read scholarly material for years, and uh, it's 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 a lot of these books are there, like on Google Books, they're just pregnant with information, and when you've been exposed to that kind of thing, these YouTube videos, it's they're just dealing with surface information. It's it's very simple. There's not a lot of anything profound going on, and like I just said last night to Nathan. Uh, I've never said this before, but it's shocking, the amount of confusion and disarray. And uh, well, I can just go right down the line. You'll find it on YouTube. It's okay. a hotbed of propaganda. Just second. It's a hotbed of propaganda. And should it be any other way? Because you know where everybody is. They're on YouTube. So why shouldn't that be where the propaganda is? Well, that's, that is where it is.
4: Go ahead. Oh, uh, there's somebody in the chat here. Uh said M Lark 007 said divorce is big money, Dave.
1: Is there somebody in the chat room? Yes there is. Say it again what you said.
4: Oh, they said divorce is big money, Dave.
1: Well yeah. But um you know that's a fallacy to believe. A lot of people fall into that that the society is run by money, even though I call it the money system. Well if it's a money system. Then it would make sense that it's run by money, right? right. No.
4: You can, it's not run by when money. Into divorce when you give them half of the uh, assets. I mean, that's big motivation. Right? Oh,
1: well, what they're talking about maybe is that um, what the Illuminati has done is uh, they've created one scam after another. Now, I have to be very careful and put quotations around this particular scam because there's a sense. And this is a sense where there's this not true. So it's both. Depends what you're talking about. But you can make the case that um, in, in, a, in a particular sense, marriage is actually a scam. Okay? Because you've got to ask yourself, what, what, we, what do we mean by marriage? You see? Because um, the process of getting married, like I said before, it's not even in the Bible. The Bible doesn't even tell you how to get married, which, which is shocking, because that's the second most important decision you make. So it doesn't even—you're t- left on your own. Uh, one of the reasons is everybody knew how to get married back then. They didn't have to tell you. You know what I mean? Um, they had supplementary oral traditions, and the Bible just mostly has to do with basics. And we're struggling enough just with that because we have so much lost information. We don't have any apostolic guidance. But anyway. Um, You know, the whole thing about getting married the way they tell you to do it, it goes back to the Roman Catholic uh, Church. Well, you know, where the state has to get involved and you have to have a document. You see, you didn't have to have a document in uh, Hebrew culture, you had to get a document to get divorced, not to get married. Now, um, I haven't made a big thing out of this, but I've changed my view. And I'll correct it if I'm wrong. It's um a little bit tenuous but I'm pretty confident that it's true. And I've um been moving towards this position for many years, so I eventually just sometimes that happens and eventually I say, "All right, that's what I believe." But uh, as a general rule, I don't believe that the the Bible uh addresses uh what we would call fornication or premarital sex. As a general rule, and I'm saying there's there's some ex- minor exceptions, uh, there, there's a the simple reason why when you have sexual intercourse with a woman, that woman, according to the law of Moses, you're required to care for her for the rest of your, your life. That means that she's now you've become your wife. And uh, somehow we lost track of all that. And this is why, <clears throat> you know, in the uh, so-called New Testament, they're, they're talking about adultery. You know what I mean? Because in that culture it was adultery was the problem. Because people married young and uh if you did have sex early, you were sorry buddy, you blew it. And now you have to care for this woman. A lot of times she became a member of a polygamous family. You know, another wife. They got you have this financial burden now. That's like the punishment, you know. Because a lot of times there wasn't like a love relationship. But anyway, um, what the Illuminati has done is they have created one scam and one hoax and one deception after another. That's what our whole society is based around. So it should not be surprising that the the quote-unquote institution of marriage is a scam as well, just like the college loan scam or going to college, period. It's a scam. Now, we're not talking about absolutes here. There's value in going to college, but it's still a scam. You know what I mean? In other words, it's mostly a scam, and I would say significantly more of a scam, okay, than have any validity. The whole educational system is, is, is bogus, you know what I mean? And it's supposed to be that way. They're not here to educate you. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> That's why you got to have a conspiratorial mind. Did you know people believe that um, you can go to school and, I mean, they just trust these institutions blindly? Well, you... If you want to get an education, you go to college. Well you're tr- you're trusting somebody to educate you. They don't think about this. You see? You know who they're trusting at the most simplistic level? A social engineers. Because the social engineers, uh, you know, this is not they're not the top tier. Okay, they take orders from on high. But they create the educational system. They're just carrying out orders. You know what I mean? But on the man managerial class, they develop that curriculum, and it's, it's largely propaganda, you know what I mean? And um, and so that's who you're trusting. Do, do people ever think along these lines? No. But anyway, um, this is a huge subject. You do a whole podcast on it. And um, we had a Pastor Charles talk about this subject of marriage, and it was so controversial that I never released it. Uh, one lady got upset who listened to it, a conservative Christian lady. And, um, but basically what he was saying is that marriage is a scam. And, but what he was doing was advocating, I don't think he presented it very well, but the way he presented it, you know, it's like, don't get married. Well, that's going to be a huge problem. You know what I mean? Um... You understand why it would be a, uh, a problem not getting married? What's your sexual outlet going to be? Mm. You know what I mean? While oh. we're on that subject, <laughs> <laughs> uh, show me in the Bible, Robert, where it talks about male virginity. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, blow some Christian minds just occasionally. You don't want to you know, do it too many uh, subjects at once, but uh, show me in the Bible. I'm not saying it doesn't talk about that.
4: Regarding. Virginity? Well, well off the so, top
1: of your head, see if you can remember one single time where it talks about male virginity. Uh-huh. Can you think of any times? Yeah. The more you think, the more you'll realize: gee, the Bible has a uh, very unbalanced emphasis on female virginity. <laughs> uh, well, there's a reason for that because um, males can't get pregnant. That would be a a pretty good reason right there, don't you think? Um, We talked about the dissolution of the family structure as uh, the biggest problem in this society. But um, look at what's happening, you see. Uh, Especially in the black community, and black leaders are talking about this. These black children are growing up. They don't have a father. You know what I mean? And... uh, This is supposed to be okay. It's not okay. Because everything is spiraling down. We have ongoing devolution. Nothing is getting better morally, societally. uh, Technology is not improving morality. And we're headed for a massive implosion where they're going to have to use technology to turn us into biological robots to salvage things. Now, think about this. This can be a form of transhumanism, okay? Because the only other option is to improve our morality. Now ask yourself this question. Does it does it look to you as if the government I'm speaking as a government totality? We actually have genuine Christian politicians. I just want somebody to hear Dave say that. You know, they're not all Illuminati, you know what I mean? I actually said that. Yeah, okay. And um, and guess what? Uh, they can't accomplish anything, and they actually know that once they get up to a certain level. I've actually talked about Steve Largent. He was a former All-Pro uh, wide receiver of the Seattle Seahawks. He became a um, a politician, and he actually talked about it in a very revealing interview in a local newspaper here. And this is the most shocking revelation I've ever seen in a local newspaper, because he actually exposed the political system. I can't fathom why they would put this in a newspaper. But he says he was a uh, young, naive politician with stars in his eyes, and he thought that he could go off uh, to Washington, D.C. and bring about change. And he discovered that uh, he could do nothing of the sort. Couldn't change anything. And, uh, he, you know, he got depressed and uh, got kind of apathetic. And this is before that he... I think it's before he actually left politics, and then, then he left. So what does that tell you? He saw the writing on the wall. The whole thing's a sham, you see? Yeah, basically, you know, if you're in a corporation, you can control everything just by being the CEO. You just run the top. That's That's how they created these institutions. Okay, so anyway... I could go in a lot of different directions but um but marriage the way they have it set up right now um it's a scam if you're a male and the illuminati is actually uh educating <laughs> if you want to use that term that it's a scam they want <laughs> this is this is interesting they want you to know you see they want young males in their twenties and thirties to know that it's a scam. They don't want you to tell why it's a scam, but um, a lot of a lot of people are looking at it now. It, you, you're foolish to get married. Why what, what would you want to do that? What is it going to benefit you? you? You know, if you don't have a traditional mindset, they actually have a point. It's like almost like punishing yourself, and you know, these people would look at you as being naive and having stars in your eyes, oh, you're going to go out and defy the statistics, huh? Because you love this woman, you know. And we'll see how long that lasts. And, uh, well, I don't trust any statistics, but I I guess generally, I mean, 50% of the time, I mean, they're right. And all these statistics are created and controlled by Illuminati. And in these uh, Illuminati-controlled statistics, they tell you that the divorce rate in uh, Christian marriages is... um, is slightly higher, and there's a lot of problems with that. I mean, how do you define what a Christian is, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? But, it would not surprise me if that is true, because the enemy strikes at the target. The same thing is true for pastor's children. Who's got the biggest target uh, on their head in uh, your local church congregation? I'm talking about the old devil. <laughs> you know what I mean? He wants to take the pastor's son down. You know what I mean? And this is one of the reasons why these um these children struggle. They have like huge responsibilities they don't feel comfortable with, you know, why was I born into this? So they just want to be normal, you know. And uh that's a whole subject in itself. But uh they don't hold up very well. Now the exact opposite is uh it's true um, in a significant number of occasions, but um, the, the problem is there are also a significant number of pastors, we'll just say sons, you know, that just completely blow it and just disgrace their fathers. Now, according to Scripture, did you know this, that you cannot be a pastor if, you're, um, if your children are not. Uh, if they don't uphold a certain uh moral standard like in the local community, this is one of the qualifications for being an elder, so you would be disqualified because of your um, because of your children because you know why because your reputation is everything you see that's part of your reputation in our world today well that's my you know that's my son this is me in the ancient world no no, no. You know why? Because we don't divide the family up like we do today. You see? The family was all interconnected back then. And, uh, I mean, the whole village was, like, connected. Because most people lived in villages. They didn't live in cities, you know. And uh, the, the village was like an extended family almost. Everybody knew everybody's dirty secrets. You couldn't really hide things from people and um your reputation preceded you and um in that uh, type of culture they didn't want someone in authority who had rebellious children that were a disgrace to the father and you should look at these laws in the mosaic code about children who um basically defame their parents they're very very severe the punishments so <clears throat> did we answer your question about the beach boys I don't think we did we kind
0: of yeah is he still I there
2: you, I don't know but I don't think you really answered my question about the cycles The like cycle. cycling cycling um, oh you talk about E
3: stuff.
2: cycling like the energy stuff you know
3: Oh, just real how, quick
1: how, if you I if you okay I, I went out the subject on that, but if you're uh you, you can't you can't drink coffee day after day. Uh you're just gonna spiral down and blow out your adrenaline. So what you wanna do there's different different things you can do. You can drink coffee in the morning. Uh you don't want to drink it five or six hours before you go to bed. But uh anyway, um what you can do is drink uh some kind of herbal tea. What I recommend is drinking uh, yerba Mate. It's spelled Y-E-R-B-E. And then uh, Mate, M-A-T-T-E. And it's actually a... Uh, it's a green tea, but it it gives out energy differently in sort of a short burst. It's more uh, progressive. And uh, it gives you energy more holistically during the course of the day. It's sort of these... Uh, a jolt, like you're going to get from coffee. Of course, that's what people are used to. But I'm saying, you know, go ahead and have your coffee. But you cannot drink that stuff all day long. Uh, you're going to destroy yourself. you got people running around today, they drink coffee, but they're just dragging. That's why they're drinking coffee all the time, because they're tired. When they get home, after drinking coffee all day, do they have energy? See, that's that's the indicator. Okay? No they don't have energy when they come home from work. All these people are exhausted and they've been drinking coffee all day. So what does that tell you? You know what I mean? Anyway, you know whether you're uh, drinking coffee or taking herbs, whatever you're doing, you want to take a break every seventh day and it's 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 interesting that God actually has this in the law of Moses, you know. And then uh every uh sixth week, you should take a week off, and also every seventh month. Now, if you do that with herbs, obviously you're going to save money, but it's been proven that the herbs are more effective, actually take days off, you know, so you're doing it systematically, and uh, you could do the same thing with um, with coffee, although, see, most people say, I can't be without coffee for a week, you know, well, you uh-huh. could modify it somewhat, What you would do is just uh, don't drink coffee one day a week, like maybe on a Sunday. That would be a good day. You know what I mean? Because you want to wake up and uh, you're kind of more behind on sleep on a Saturday because you catch up on on sleep on a Sunday because you can sleep in on a Saturday. And so you're more inclined to drink uh, coffee on a Saturday morning than uh, take a break on Sunday. You know, give your body a break because if you don't, then your body never, ever gets a break. Stop and think about this. This is basic common sense. You can't just drive your body. You have to coach your body. You see? And people don't know this. They drive their body right into the ground and they, and they go, well, what happened? What went wrong? You know what I mean? You have to rest the body. And everything in nature is cyclical. You can't just push forward with a whip, and that's what people do because they don't have any knowledge anyway. is Java ring gone? I guess so He must be having uh some kind of connection problems, but he he will drop out sometimes and not even say goodbye so I'm getting suspicious that he is uh he's gone this time so uh how long have we been talking?
3: about an hour and 20 uh, 2 hours and 36 minutes Okay. I'm going in the house here we got dead air I hate dead air say something Hmm. Um, I'm not really sure what to say Dave Okay? <laughs> I can
1: talk all that time when you can't fill up a little bit of dead area so.
2: Yeah, sorry about that.
1: Okay. Well, you get kind of tired, listening to me, and it, it puts you into a passive mode. You know? You get stuck in the passive mode. and uh, That's what it's like going to church, Johnny. Did you ever think about that? You get a habit of not contributing.
2: No, I never liked church, Dave.
1: Yeah. Ever. Well, it's an environment of mediocrity. That's what it is. That's just a fact. So, you know, your expectations shouldn't be very high. And the people that um, are all enthusiastic about, you know, come to my local church, these people are delusional, man. You know why? Because there's nothing happening there to get excited about, Johnny. And if you think there is, then um, you're delusional, too. And uh, there's
3: always exceptions.
1: You know? Just like there's good doctors out there and there's good dentists, there's good churches out there, too. Surprisingly, they are very few. Very few. And they're hard to find, just like a, a good woman you know, or a good man, you know. These people are becoming increasingly rare in our culture. That is a reason right there to seriously consider getting married. <clears throat> we got problems
3: everywhere, because what do you do if you don't get married, you know what I mean? Well, Dave, do you really need to get married and have it official? Kind nope. of recognized by the
2: government, you know, and that sort of thing.
1: No. None of the, where is this at in the Bible?
2: Oh well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, Dave.
1: No. You don't need to do that at all. The Bi like I said, the Bible doesn't even tell you how to get married.
3: <laughs> so
1: obviously it's not important. Well, I'm gonna wrap this up because uh I got the room open and I'm up here and my roommate's sleeping. I gotta I gotta I gotta be quiet and I gotta shut this down, okay? uh uh-huh. So this will be some more, this will be a good rant for room two audio. So, All right, we're going to shut down, guys. Take care of trying to get some sleep,
3: okay? Uh-huh. Night, Dave. All right. Bye. Bye.